Thanks so much to Linda Johnson for reading our gospel this week. It appears that all major property casualty liability insurance carriers have decided the only way to sell their product is through the use of humor. Think of all the ads that you see on TV. I think Allstate still does like a smattering of product information with their Mayhem Guy commercials. But everybody else, like Geico and Progressive and Liberty, they're just all in on the humor. It makes for you know some entertaining commercial watching. Liberty right now has one out where they uh, just, uh, just admit, like, insurance is boring. Uh, but then they also say, but we know that uh, commercials showing young people having fun, people notice those. So they literally run a commercial where they show young people at a pool party having fun, and they even have a little jingle that goes with it. Young people having fun, insurance. And it's very self-deprecating and fun to watch. Liberty Mutual Insurance is how they go about it. So if insurance is boring by the insurance industry's own commentary, what should we talk about in today's sermon? Because sermons are never boring. Nevertheless, we are talking about insurance. So our property casualty liability coverage uh, for both of our buildings and properties is through Church Mutual Insurance. They are by far the largest uh, church insurer in the country. They are based in Little Merrill, Wisconsin. And when you think about it, it's a big business because there are a lot of churches in our country. Um, I should probably tell you that our uh, church coverage has been canceled by Church Mutual Insurance. The thing about that is, don't be alarmed, because they've canceled everybody effective December 31st and then issuing new policies effective January 1st. This has been explained to us by uh, our agent for the following reason. Uh, up until now, Church Mutual has largely just insured churches, duh. And, and so they've used both kind of proprietary language in their, in their policies and uh, as they would do their various risk calculations. But so many churches have closed that their business is shrinking, and so now the way they're responding to that is to start insuring non-churches, and they're starting with other non-for-profits. And so as of January 1st, they will stop using their proprietary language in their contracts, and they will start using the industry standard instead as they expand beyond churches. When you think about it, that's super interesting stuff, right, from an insurance standpoint. Uh, but a little bit depressing to think that many churches are closing. And when you think about, oh, well, I show up in church and there aren't as many people here as there used to be, that might seem a little depressing. Uh, the thing is, we're probably fitting the norm right now. The stats I see that is that most churches kind of our size have roughly 50 to 66% of the people in person in worship that they had prior to the pandemic. And, and yet, you know, it still can feel empty and Church Mutual is changing their policies. Are we part of kind of this dying thing in our world? And the fact of the matter is the church has faced a few challenges in its 2,000 years of history. Just think of the fact that this weekend on the church calendar, uh, celebrates the 505th anniversary of the start of the Protestant Reformation. October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther pounds what? 95 theses into the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany, so that everyone would see it and hopefully read it if they were able to read the next day uh, when everyone came on All Saints Day, November 1st. 
That, that, that triggered amazing, positive, great changes in the Church of Jesus Christ. Also triggered years and years and centuries, really, of, of conflict, of suffering, of outright war. And, and kind of was the impetus for uh, you know, thousands of people to cross the North Atlantic in the sailboats, essentially, uh, to leave that old world behind for the new world in which we now live. And, and, and so Christianity is an amazing blessing to our world. It also sometimes is a challenge and negative in our world. And, and so it's overcome all of this stuff in its history. And, and yet every time it happens, I think people think, is this kind of the end? Is this, is this where religious faith kind of comes to die? And it's not. And the reason I'm pretty sure of that is because we have this servant savior named Jesus who is always just passing through in our lives, in our world. And that, it turns out, is a very good thing. Today's gospel lesson starts with Luke, uh, the evangelist, observing that Jesus was just passing through the city of Jericho when he had an encounter with a rich and powerful person by the name of Zacchaeus. All year we've been reading through Luke's gospel. As we say, Luke talks to our world as if it's a part of our world. He writes to the Roman Empire, which like the world we live in, is educated and multicultural and on the move and intense. So Luke might as well just be writing to us. And, and Luke is very aware of, of how life is a journey. And so he sets his gospel up so that the middle ten chapters are Jesus on this journey. And almost every story in there is unique to Luke's gospel. And it has something to do with a journey. Because life is a journey and faith is a journey. Jesus is just passing through all the time. And meeting us at all of these various crossroads in our life. Jericho was a crossroads. And, and Jesus comes there and encounters Zacchaeus. Now, uh, up to this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus' attention has primi- primarily been on the outcasts and the downtrodden and, and the, the lepers and, and the women, all of these people who had no power in their world. But now he's about to encounter someone who is rich, Zacchaeus, we're told, is not just a tax collector. He's the head tax collector, and he's powerful. Uh, I mean, he's, he's the representative of the Roman government, and the Romans did not mess around. Zacchaeus was not a guy to be trifled with. But Luke understands that just because you're poor, just because you're rich, doesn't mean you aren't searching for something in life. And in fact, he triggers that for his original readers when he says, uh, Zacchaeus was looking to see Jesus. And that's a fascinating word in the Greek. Uh, Luke uses it 26 times in his gospel. And, And it can mean both to physically see, but it can also mean to like find something that that, that you're searching for. I guess our word vision in English would be kind of the same. We can physically see things with our vision, but you can also have a vision uh, for, for your future, have a sense of vision for a situation. And so Zacchaeus is looking for something. And the people, the people, they hate Zacchaeus. He's the tax collector. And he's short in stature, we are told, and so they belittle him and make fun of him. But That doesn't affect Zacchaeus whatsoever. And he races ahead, climbs up in the sycamore tree so he can see Jesus. And he probably looked ridiculous. 
But Jesus makes no commentary on that. And instead, I'm coming to your house today, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is elated that Jesus has not only noticed him, but invited him and welcomed him. And in this great and glorious moment, what does the crowd do? The crowd, they grumble because they hate him. And they don't want Jesus paying attention to somebody that they hate. Now, that's an interesting thing in Luke's gospel. Because six chapters before in chapter 13, Kind of the same thing happens. In other words, Jesus there heals a woman who has been bent over for 13 years, but he heals her on the Sabbath, and so the religious leaders complain. But Jesus defends his action and says, she shouldn't have to wait another day. She too is a daughter of Abraham, and the crowd erupts in praise and applause. But here, Jesus will eventually end up saying, Zacchaeus. He's a son of Abraham, too, in the crowd. They, they aren't doing much applauding. They're doing a lot of grumbling. But again, these characters are not deterred, and, and Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. And there, Zacchaeus makes kind of def a defense of himself and says, hey, Jesus, I, if I defrauded someone, I pay him back fourfold. If, if, and, and when I give, I give 50% of my income to the poor. That, that was five times what he needed to under the Jewish law. And so he is a generous benefactor, and, and he is honest about any of the mistakes he has made. And interestingly, that's all in the present tense. So it's not something he's pledging to do. It's something he already does. And Jesus recognizes that and says that to the crowd. You know, this man, he's, he's, he's one of us. He's a son of Abraham, and, and, and he's doing the right thing. And in a sense, he challenges that crowd and says, salvation has come to this house. And at first glance, you think salvation has come to you know, Zacchaeus in his house. But I, I think Jesus is, Jesus is perhaps saying salvation has come to this house, to Jericho, this community. But will you recognize it or will you choose instead to grumble about it? Two little epilogues to all of this when you think about it. So Jericho, it's where all of us live. In other words, it was a crossroads. All of our lives, when you think about it, are lived kind of at a crossroads. We sometimes don't want to see that. We sometimes can't see it. And sometimes we aren't aware of it until, in retrospect, we realize that something was changing in our relationships or our location or our understandings or our priorities. It turns out we're all on this journey and we spend a lot of time at the crossroads. And then Jesus shows up, but he's just passing through. In other words, spiritually, he's always with us, but physically, he's not. <laughs> physically, he's actually never with any of us. And, and so that's why he taught us that you have to break bread together and you have to pray for each other and you have to support each other and you have to serve the world around you because then, then you are the living body of Christ. Then I, then I am present with you. Of course I am. But at some level, physically for sure, I'm, I'm just passing through. And I'm not a helicopter parent, <laughs> you know? I'm not gonna do it all for you. you. You have to do it with each other and, and on my behalf. And as a result, it's important that if you are fully going to live and be my people, I have to be passing through. And so we all live in Jericho, this crossroads where Jesus makes these occasional appearances. 
And, and Luke wants us to know that that is a hopeful, powerful thing. Because think of all of the people through whose lives Jesus just passes through in this gospel. There are those shepherds on Christmas evening who can't stop telling people the good news that they have observed. There is that good Samaritan who comes back two days later to make sure the person that he had cared for, in fact, is going to be okay. There is the prodigal son who wanders back home and is greeted with this amazing celebration. There are the, the lepers who are healed and one who manages to come back to that crossroads to give thanks. And, and at the very end, on Easter evening, these two people walk down the road to Emmaus for seven miles and they don't recognize Jesus who is with him but then he breaks the bread and they realize he had just been passing through their lives and now their hearts burned within them and they walk seven miles back to tell everybody the good news. If he lingered it was in a sense be, be sort of a death but because he is just passing through we can understand fullness of life and it comes sometimes in the most surprising of ways. So a second little epilogue. Uh, Pastor Sherry and I were, were at this conference on Thursday. It was hosted by the Seabird Lutheran Foundation. It was a good continuing ad event. I went to a workshop at one point uh, that was led by a Wisconsin Synod pastor. I forgot to say that this is a pan-Lutheran event. So Wisconsin Synod, Missouri Synod, ELCA are all present in one room at the same time. And, and we're kind of strange bedfellows because we're all called Lutherans. But we're very different other than that. And, and my perspective on the Wisconsin Synod is that frequently it's very serious and dour and they have a lot of rules and they're very orthodox about their Lutheranism. And that's kind of how this workshop started out, a, a workshop on the digital church. But then, then as people were talking, uh, at some point the presenter talked about kind of their four main uh, themes as a congregation and one, two, and three were kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then theme number four was something that I, I, I was so surprised by. He said, you know, our fourth theme is that we just need to have fun with each other. And I was like, wow. I, I wouldn't have thought that that would be something that would be one of your priorities. But the way he sent it, said it, I knew he really meant it. That the people of God do have to have some fun with each other. And it is so very true. And then the workshop was over. You know, ran out of time. And, and, and... He and I were just kind of passing through each other's lives. But you encounter all of these little intersections, right? Some of which are transformational in purpose or life, but others of which are just these little moments of, aha, the kingdom of God, it's not that very far away. Not only do we all live in Jericho, but we are, of course, all Zacchaeus, and we are also that crowd. We're all searching for something, aren't we? And, and everything around us is dying at some level. <laughs> you know, the, the church and, and so many things that, that are constantly changing. And, and, and so we are searching for something and frequently we are the grumblers who are disappointed that Jesus puts so much energy into somebody other than ourselves. But thanks be to God that we live at this crossroads and every once in a while, Jesus shows up and he reminds us of what life itself is, which is a good news that if you're searching, he'll find you. <laughs> and that if you're grumbling, he'll remind you that that salvation has come even to your house. Or if you're stuck up in a tree looking ridiculous, that, that he will ask to come to your house today and you will be alive again 
and you will understand that we have a Savior who is all about life. Thanks be to God that he's just passing through.